So let's start with uh, the first game. And I don't say first game from a chronological order because, of course, both these games start at 1 o'clock. But what are you going to do? Hello and welcome to At The 55, your home for OUA football. We have now wrapped up our OUA semifinal weekend. We have the matchup for the Yates Cup. We have Queens coming out of the East, Western coming out of the West. It'll be in Kingston next weekend. Nate, I'll give you the floor first off as, you know, I mean, I guess I go to Western right now, but I don't really, I'm not a Mustang. These are your Queens Gales back in the Yates for the first time since they, well, we'll get into a little retrospective on it in a little bit perhaps. What are the emotions kind of going through your bones right now seeing the Queens Gales back in the Yates knowing they're going to be hosting the Yates as well? Well, I was thinking about this, it kind of reminds me of... You know, like when you see the trailer for the movie and kind of just been, it's just been building to this for weeks and weeks, you know, we hinted at it before and now it's finally here. Um, and, uh, you know, it's going to be electric. I think everyone, this is kind of, you know, from an, from an, I'm obviously not objective, but I feel like if I was <laughs> an objective perspective here, this is, this is a really good scenario here. Um, for the league and for the competition in general. And it's, you know, I think uh, we're we're in a really good position uh, to see some more exciting football, you know, the history of it all. Um, the Mecca of Canadian football, uh, Richardson Stadium, obviously. Uh, I'm, it's safe to say I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. I mean, I, I don't see how you're how you could be a fan of this league, fan of this sport and not be looking forward to this. And yeah, as you said, this has seemingly been, you know, I know I know in my pick of Ottawa, I kind of played that team of destiny angle. But this does kind of feel like this was just, you know, the, the these two teams coming to a head and we'll kind of get into it a little bit as far as some of the top performers, not just of this past week, but looking ahead to who might end up wearing the crown of OUA MVP. You know, I don't know when they're going to be giving out that title. And obviously, you know, much like the debate that goes on in other pro sports where, well, MVP is a regular season award, not a playoff award and things of that nature that perhaps you don't want to be biased by what goes on in the playoffs. Having said that, uh, <laughs> there's a couple names, uh, two in particular, that we've talked about a lot this year that are going to be facing off in this game that uh, kind of, to everything you said there, is what makes this game so, so tantalizing. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to get into it. We'll, we'll, we'll get into more of sort of the hype about it, some of the actual matchups that make this game uh, so exciting when we do our, our preview pod for it. But, you know, in kind of hinting towards some of those names, uh, I know we're going to be talking about them as we hand out some hardware for top performers from this week. So, Nate, I'll give you the floor first. Offensive player of the week. Who did you like watching these two games? You know, I'm going to I'm going to stick with Queens. We've we've said this guy's name a few times already uh, on the pod, but it's got to be Rasheed Tucker. I mean, such a such an extraordinary game. Uh, Twenty eight attempts a buck 80 and two touchdowns on the day. Um, he's been consistent for the Gales all year, seemingly, you know, with the yards and touchdowns. So uh, more of the same. And, uh, you know, everyone's kind of has their eye on sort of, you know, him. And I think your offensive player of the week for who's going to be the OUA MVP. So I'll pass it off to you. Well, definitely. And, you know, no, no surprise here with all the sort of, uh, 
you know, lead up to this, uh, I, I'm going to give it to Keon Edwards, 17 carries, 72 yards, two touchdowns. And a really well-rounded running attack by Western on the day. You know, Trey had 73 yards of his own. Even Edouard uh, Wanadi getting some carries for 38 yards. But, you know, Keon has been the guy there for them all year long. We, we remember Trey missed two, three weeks there for them. And that running attack still kept on rolling. It was when Trey Humes was out that Keon had that just, you know, that just... That game against Waterloo in the regular season where, you know, if there was any young children in the room, you're probably going to say like, hey, you know, you know, Billy, you know, I don't want you to watch this right now. What what uh, Keon Edwards is doing to the Waterloo Warriors right here, you know, so, um, you know, a really solid performance and not to sort of, well, I guess because we won't really be talking about the two teams in, we'll talk about the two teams separately in their own matchups, but I think a commonality in both their games, because these were both games, there was a lot of similarities and the score reflects that. Games that were very kind of like trading punches early on, but both these games having such reliance on the run game, it's one of those things that at a certain point, that's going to break your back as the opposing team. And you could really see it, especially with Rashid, where some of those bigger runs he was getting and those touchdowns were coming later in the game where, you know, that's an Ottawa defense that's taken hits and taken hits over and over again. And that offensive line for for Queens wearing them down. And, and I think you can say similarly with what Western has done so well and just... You know, you might be able to contain these run games for a half, for three quarters maybe, but they just they stick to it, and and it's going to kill you in the end. Um, but we'll move over to the defensive side of the ball. Who are you liking there? Yeah, I'm going to stick with the Gales here, Zach. I'm going to go um, with Ashton miller uh DB for the Gales. Nine and a half total tackles on the day. Um, and the interception that, co- that set up the – you know, it really was the back-breaking play. I know we'll get into it later, but a long 47-yard return uh, before, before halftime to set up a touchdown. Um, and really all over the field the whole game. He's got four picks on the air. Uh, you know, he's been doing it every week, kind of, you know, you watch these games and it's just, I feel like it's a name you hear on the broadcast over and over and over again. So definitely a guy that deserves some praise for the tricolor. Well, absolutely, and you know, no, um, nothing to take away from the interception and the return in itself. I have some qualms with maybe a play or two that uh, happened before that that perhaps would have prevented that from all happening. But we'll get to that when we break down that game. I- I'm going with the Mustangs uh, on my end here again. Um, before I say my actual pick, gotta shout out Brendan Murphy who finished with nine tackles on the day, and of course the transfer from Guelph was playing for them in 2019 and I can only imagine you know losing that first game or pardon me the the first game in uh, against Guelph in week two you know probably felt a little bit uh you know ah, you know I'm sure he didn't regret his decision but that can't be a great feeling um so I'm sure this felt great going up against his old squad having a huge performance but you know talking about names you, you obviously went with a guy that maybe we we haven't talked about who doesn't get the fanfare in the OUA much like our offensive player of the week picks I'm going with an old favorite because it's a reason we talk about some of these players more than others. It's Deontay Knight, seven and a half tackles, two sacks, and just causing havoc all day long. I don't think I realized it going into the game, but I think Ponce are rewatching to kind of make a few extra notes. Uh, it seemed like I, I think Guelph was missing a few of their starters on the offensive line. Um, at least I, I didn't see Matthew Femerewa um, out there for them, who I think normally is their right tackle. Um, but I mean, nonetheless, I mean, Deontay Knight makes tackles of all caliber uh, look like they're in a different league 
week after week and uh, just a, such a stellar performance by him as we've grown accustomed to. So uh, shout out to Deontay Knight and everything he's done um, on that Mustang defense. Um, special teams. What are we thinking, Nate? Well, I think, you know, it's uh, we're going to go with a guy <laughs> who kind of, uh, you know, outscored the opposing team all by himself. Uh, and that would be Brian Garrity of the Western Mustangs, uh, you know, four field goals on the day with the long of 40, um, totaling 15 points, which uh, does beat Guelph's total of 12 on the day. Strawn's also had four field goals for the Griffins with a long of 47. So a good, you know, really some, some top tier uh, field goal kicking going on in that one, but uh, got to give the edge to, to Garrity on the winning side there. Yeah, no, I think it, it, Garrity's the pick. And, uh, you know, as you mentioned, Strawn's four for five. The one that was missed, I mean, it wasn't even, I mean, missed it, but he kind of toe punted it. I don't know if it was a, on the snap or whatever. But, you know, to, to sort of bolster the point about Garrity, not only is did he single-handedly outscore the Griffins, but, you know, um, it, it was a nasty day to be kicking in. Um, I mean, we saw guys slipping on the field left, right, and center at times, just that, whether receivers or, or whomever. Um, so I can only imagine one added challenge that would be for the place kickers and given the back-and-forth nature early in this game, how tightly contested it was, a lot of clutch field goals there. So, yeah, shout-out to Mr. Garrity. Um, who's back? Uh, Nate, we, you know, we kind of you kind of gave you some space to talk about this a little bit. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to sort of give my own pick, but... We know who's back. We know what the who's back should be in this case. So, Nate Hobbs, who's back? Yeah, it's Queens Western. I mean, <laughs> you know, undoubtedly, you know, there's a lot of history that kind of goes into this matchup. And you look at the recent history, uh, a lot of wins for the purple team. <laughs> um, but hey, that's the case. That's the case against most teams in the OUA. So don't feel bad about that. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. No, but I think. Um, obviously, um, you know, the game in 2013, not the closest game, but you go back to 2009, obviously, you know, there's a lot of sort of mythology, uh, I guess I would say about that game and sort of two giants going head to head in terms of Brannigan and Falls and, you know, not necessarily quarterbacks this time, but sort of you look at the running backs and kind of those two guys and vying for OUA MVP had Creighton consideration. Um, it's going to be a great matchup. Obviously, two defenses that have done it the whole year. Um, you know, many people didn't think these teams would be playing this year, but I think, uh, you know, we're really lucky to have it. And, uh, you know, definitely excited for the next chapter uh, in this great rivalry. Now you you painted the picture beautifully there, and and you mentioned the defenses as well. Obviously, the the head to head between these two running backs obviously is going to um, you know take most of the spotlight. It's hard to ignore the fact that we have a rookie quarterback in Evan Hillock in his first Jates Cup in his first year as a starter. Um, of course, it's James Keen's first game as well, pardon me, first Jates Cup as well. Um, but specifically on the defensive end, uh, on the defensive position, you know, mentioned Deontay Knight's name as well. I mean, another guy that you know kind of jump ahead to sort of talking about top players in the league that we've, you know, mentioned perhaps not as much recently, but we can't forget about Anthony Federico. I mean, it, it, what he's done consistently for this Gales team over his tenure as a starter has been up there with any defensive end during that same time. And uh, 
<laughs> I, we, I don't want to start getting too deep into the weeds on this because, you know, this kind of step on what we'll kind of go over in the preview pod for this. But there just is so much. There's so much fun, uh, so many fun angles to unpack here. So um, can't can't wait for this one. Uh, you set the table beautifully, but let's go back and see how we got there. So let's start with uh, the first game. And I don't say first game from a chronological order because, of course, both these games start at one o'clock. But what are you going to do? Uh, it's the Ottawa GGs losing in Kingston to the Queens Golden Gales. Final score, Queens 32, Ottawa 15. Um, you know, we kind of had fun at my own expense in making my picks for this week. Going with the two underdogs in this game. But, you know, having seen how these games play out, I, I don't feel I don't feel bad for, you know, going with the picks I did. And, and I think Ottawa played the game that... You know, we'll maybe get into a few specific plays that I kind of hinted towards that I think turned the tide uh, as far as the officiating goes. Um, but I think Ottawa played predominantly the game that they had to play to to pick up the win. And then, as we said, it was a few back-breaking plays. Um, that touchdown at the end of the first, a long touchdown mid-late third, and it just it was kind of over then, over at that point when you actually add on the fact that Rashid really got rolling and just Queen started chewing up clock. Um, you were watching this one more tentatively than I was, me being at the Western Guelph games. Let me get some of your thoughts off the jump watching this one. Yeah, I think this game was, um, at least in the beginning, definitely much more interesting than sort of the final score would indicate. And, you know, Queens was really kind of sputtering its wheels early. Um, you know, Ottawa got out <laughs> to, you know, what was a three nothing lead. Um, and Queens didn't, you know, was unable to, you know, score in that first quarter. Um, you had a bit of a, a bit of a reckless interception, I guess, let's say from, from James Keenan, a bit uncharacteristic from some of the football that was being played. And, you know, I'd be lying if I said I was, I wasn't, you know, had some, had some, you know, creeping doubts, creeping, not necessarily full on doubts, but they, they were creeping. Um, but, you know, it's sort of, you know, this is a team that obviously like at the end of the day, I think the, the quality did come through and sort of the big playability um, of the offense and the defense was really the difference in kind of making big plays at the right times, um, you know, Obviously, that stretch before halftime was huge um, for Queens, but, you know, it was, it was throughout the game as well, sort of making big plays at big moments. And I think that's something that's been different from Queens teams over the past few years and kind of why they're, you know, are where they are today. Well, I mean, you talk about how, um, I mean, First of all, similar with the Guelph game, the team that st- struck first ended up losing. But of course, you know, it's a it's a long football game, a lot of back and forth. So you can never read into that. But talking about how tightly uh, contested this one, this one was, I mean, I think this, despite the scores being very similar with the two games, almost identical, this to me was a much more entertaining game. Part of that perhaps is plagued by the fact that I was shivering very, and in the rain for a lot of that Western game. But just going through some of the numbers, like comparing team to team, Queens 24 first downs, Ottawa 22. Queens 219 net rush yards, Ottawa 201. Queens 187 passing net total net yards of passing, Ottawa 187. But you know we talk about that stretch leading up to the and actually the last one I'll throw out there um, time of possession. Where was that one? Ottawa actually 
having 31 minutes, 13 seconds, the Queens is 28-47. So pretty close, but, you know, given the score, it might surprise someone to know that Ottawa actually controlled the ball for more. But the one stat, when we kind of go team for team, that really stands out. And this kind of, this really irked me, not just because I picked Ottawa, but just trying to enjoy the game. And, you know, hopefully that, you know, I, I was, you know, everything's fair and balanced is, is the penalty yards. Ottawa picking up eight penalties for 90 yards. Queens with three for 25. And we talk about that stretch late in the second quarter, which to me, none of that happens. Like I said, I don't want to take away credit for the interception and the return and and, and the incredible. All that was great. But to me, none of that happens if what I saw as a missed, unnecessary roughness penalty is called on when Miracle's scrambling out of the pocket very clearly going down into a slide. And maybe, you know, these Queens refs, they're so used to James Keenan just throwing his body into guys. They're like, you don't throw flags on quarterbacks. Maybe they're so used to watching him just run with his reckless abandon. I say that with love. But I think that was I think that was a, a, a very, very bad missed call on their end. And then, once again, moving into the third quarter, you know, there was a holding penalty they called on, I think it was Rodney Estime on, on the, the near side from like the camera's perspective on a good run, which you can kind of see, I guess, where the hold might have occurred, but it really didn't look like he was slowing down the defender. But then on the flip side, on like the next drive or a drive later, Queens is driving around midfield, and one of and I think they missed a blatant hold on one of their offensive linemen on a sort of play going to the outside towards, I guess, the the Gigi sideline, which then two plays later led to the next long strike touchdown by James Keenan. So I mean. Like penalties are part of the game. I, I totally get it, and, and by no means do I, I actually think there's any, you know, you know, foul play uh, in any of this. It's just it's frustrating when, you know, I I picked Ottawa. I I think I I'm I know Queens is the better team. I I, I think there obviously was a case, and I tried to make it for Ottawa. And as I said, I think they showed all the things on their end to sort of be able to win this game. It's just tough when like. <laughs> on top of that, it's there's a bit of that disparity in the penalty yards. Um, I don't know. I maybe like I said, it's hard to be unbiased in this, and I'm sure my picking Ottawa has something to do with that. But uh, you know, I was I knew the result of the game when I was watching it already, so it's not as if. You know, but anyways, I just few of my thoughts just on terms of that one. Um, no, but I think like in penalties in general, like I could say, just looking at the numbers, that sort of. It was less than, I guess, more weeks in the regular season in terms of penalties and yards for the games as a whole. Now, whether like there are two different arguments there, either, you know, these are just the best disciplined teams in the league and that's why they're here, <laughs> yeah. or the refs kind of let them play a little bit more. And sometimes, you know, maybe they're not, I guess, the most consistent with that per se. Um, I know before the pot, I pushed it back a little bit on the, on your uh, unnecessary roughness called there, but I think <laughs> we've seen we've seen that get called many times, and it could just be you know a type of thing that it's it's the playoffs, and you know what? Sometimes you don't want to get involved in the game, and sometimes you get involved at another time, and it's kind of difficult getting everyone on the same page, I guess. No, for sure. I like I said. I mean, at the end of the day, like you can't let the refs really. I don't know have that big an impact that but just given the sort of sequence of plays it was hard to not be like so that happens and then the pick happens and then the touchdown and then we go into halftime last thing i just wanted to throw your way um in for, as far as this game goes the, the one thing I, I i wish i'd saw ottawa do a little bit more was it, it seemed especially even early on when it was a tight game miracle was taking a lot of shots downfield 
when it seemed like maybe he had like an easy four, five, six into the flats. And even if it might not have picked up the first down, like obviously I get that in, in those situations. But, you know, we talk about in the running game how, and we mentioned this with both these teams, how even if early on you're not killing the other team in the run game, just by consistently going to that run game, it's going to pick up, pay dividends in the long run. You know, it's the physicality of it. You're beating up that, beating down on that defensive line and those linebackers. Is there any similarity in that as far as from a, a, a passing game perspective that, you know, if you are taking those check downs, some of those more short gainers, you know, the expression, you never go broke taking a profit um, early in the game. Can that actually lead to success later on in the same way that just kind of committing to the run game early on, even if you're not getting big gainers can, or does that not really factor in as much in the passing? Do you kind of know what I'm saying and making that parallel there? No, you definitely can. And I think, uh, obviously if you're throwing the ball short and kind of intermediate, you know, those kind of, defenders covering the deep third you know they're used to driving on the ball driving on the ball driving on the ball and all of a sudden you're throwing it over their head you know that can be a big difference but I that was obviously a key point that you made there is kind of noticing that early in the game and you know whether that's I don't know Ben Miracle kind of thinking I'm back in Kingston and this is you know but I I wouldn't bet on that I think you know probably probably was a you know part of the game plan to try and come out and make a statement I think um Ottawa kind of miss an opportunity early to sort of get out to um a seven point lead settling for that field goal um and again kind of we mentioned before the half already but again that's another key situation where if that turns out differently then maybe it's seven six heading in the halftime instead of 14 to three like that's an incredible swing um so and like I know last week we talked about Waterloo sort of making those plays against Western kind of getting, you can't make this, these same mistakes against this Queens team. Um, obviously, because Ottawa definitely played well from a holistic perspective. Like we mentioned, the numbers are the same as Queens, but again, it's those, those big plays and those key moments you have to sort of have the, the steal or you have to have the bounces go your way. And for Ottawa yeah. wasn't their day, but I could say, a lot to be proud of there for that team. I think, you know, I was impressed with sort of the way they played and uh, definitely sort of gave this Queens team a big test. Um, obviously, could have got a bit better in some areas, but uh, nothing to be ashamed of, for sure. Definitely not. And I think you can say that kind of on the season as a whole for the GGs. But nonetheless, we say goodbye to the Ottawa GGs. We say see you next week to the Queens Golden Gales. And we'll move over to the other semifinal matchup that we had. It was the Guelph Griffins traveling here to London to take on the Western Mustangs. Final score in this one, Western 33, Guelph 12. Um, as I kind of said, maybe partly just because it wasn't the most fun game to be attending live <laughs> might have factored into my overall opinion of the game. And of course, you know, having my Guelph bias as well might have factored in as well to my opinion of the game, though it was great seeing a few old teammates there. Um, this game wasn't very fun to watch. <laughs> you know, it's, sometimes I sometimes I struggle in, in a game where it's like, is this a is this a good defense game or is this a bad offense game? Um, and I, I couldn't really decide watching it live. And I, I, I think going through the game a little quickly this morning, again, just to review some things, I do think I lean towards, you know, when you factor in the weather as well, a bit more of, you know, weather and good defense game that kind of 
led to this being a kind of well, and, you know, we saw the way these two teams played each other earlier this year. It sort of stands to reason that this is how you know evenly matched these teams are as far as play style. You know, a kind of a heavyweight. You know, throw a punch, give a punch. I know I've kind of used that analogy with a few of the matchups we've seen. But what was your take watching this one? Um, uh, watching this one after what you saw in the Queens Ottawa game. Well, I think the weather definitely played a factor. I mean, whether it was raining the whole time or not, I mean, it was the same thing in the Queens game, kind of the announcer saying, oh, well, it's not raining anymore. But like I remember from playing, that's like almost when it's the most awkward is when it, it stopped raining and the ball is dry and then, but the center puts it on the ground. And so now there's like one awkward wet spot on the ball and it's, I got to flip the ball, right? To make sure I, I'm off the wet spot. Anyways, just a, uh, just some quarterback, uh, you know, grievances there, but, you know, it definitely played a factor. I mean, you see kind of guys dropping balls or I know there was one play Magnate Jones kind of slipping on a route, obviously kind of played a factor. Um, I think for me and kind of watching this game, I think it was sort of the classic Western formula of we're going to do exactly what we're going to do. We're going to run the ball. We're going to throw play action because guess what? Like you have to respect our run game. So it's going to open up some throws and our run game will eventually wear down on you. And on the defense side of the ball is you're going to have to kind of nickel your dime and dime your way up and down the field. And that's because we're not going to allow the big plays. And you know what, if you're really good, you score some points, but if you're not consistent, then forget about it. And you see Guelph four field goals on the day didn't really come that close to sort of the red zone there. Um, and I think what was missing was sort of the big place for them. I mean, last week you kind of mentioned, we mentioned Keandre Smith and Clark Barnes and kind of those explosive plays that broke the game open against Laurier. Nowhere to be found this week. Um, a lot of kind of nickel and diming in the past game. Uh, not really able to generate much against the run. Uh, and so for me, it was kind of, you know, the classic kind of Western Mustangs in London. I don't know. What do you think? Well, you know, you're definitely right about they they didn't allow Guelph to have any explosive plays, whether that was, you know, however you sort of, you know, slice up that pie as far as Guelph maybe not executing in Western, being able to limit their success. And then, of course, the weather as well. It looked like at some points, though, they were trying to go a little more, um, not necessarily bubble screen, but quick hitters, just get it into Keandre or Clark's hands and let them sort of make plays because we know how deadly they can be. But then still, like Western did a great job rallying and not letting, you know, there's a few plays where Clark, I mean, it, you know, it just it's for a guy as big as he is, it's amazing how how shifty he is. I mean, he's obviously got the breakaway speed and, you know, it's obviously plays into how good a returner he is, but it's, it's, it's really amazing how he sneaks out of tackles. Um, so I think on the whole, yeah, it, it's kind of hard to figure out how you slice up that pie of, you know, like I said, I think Guelph was was smart and just saying, let's just get it into our, our playmakers' hands. And then Western being like, fine, do that, but we're not going to let you beat us deep. And, you know, we, we obviously have seen that when this Sean Law-led offense is at its best with Keandre and with Clark doing their thing, it's a lot of those deep corner routes and things like that. And of course, like we said, a bit of a what I, I believe was a bit of a banged up offensive line for Guelph. And then, you know, like I said, even if they're at full strength, you have your hands full with a guy like Deontay Knight coming off the edge. It obviously makes it hard for a team to take those deep strikes down the field as well. You add in the weather and all that. And, and of course, as we sort of speculate off that Laurier game and we didn't see him play this week, no Juwan Jeffrey. Um, 
for Guelph was in Kane Stevenson and doing a lot of the a lot of the carries for them. He had a pretty good game as well. Uh, Kangalongo, um, who's a name that I don't believe we've talked much about for the Griffins, 15 carries, 60 yards, kind of a bit of that running back by committee we've talked about Guelph having to do this year. So just, a, you know, just a tough day for them to get their offense going. And, you know, I, I don't know what it, the injury was to Lal in the, in the fourth there that brought him out, but that was pretty well the, uh, the victory cigar moment for, for the Mustangs, you know, not, not a no shot at Kasadi coming in, but I mean, when you're already up late in the game, and you know, that's the great thing about Canadian football, like even you know, watching that Ottawa game where, you know, eight minutes left down fifteen, it's like that's still a ball game, but then the offense hadn't really been able to get steam, and now you're down to your backup quarterback, and it's just, it, you know. I've been in situations on exactly like that, but it's it's it can be a little demoralizing when you know it's like there's still a hope, but you know this other factor kind of going on is you know it's hard for that not to take a bit of the wind out of your sails, especially as I said when when that wind, metaphorically speaking, the wind quite literally was blowing strong, but metaphorically speaking, when there's not all that much wind in your sails to begin with, so like I said, I mean we even you know. Props to the Western Mustangs. They they did their thing. They stuck to that Western game plan of you know, like we said, like I'm not I don't have the the total rushing yards in front of me right now, but you know, Humes getting 73, Edwards 72, Winati even 38, Hillock 173 for one TD one interception. I mean, obviously a very uh, <laughs> not not the most impressive of, of of days for him, but he didn't have to do all that much. Like I said, in a few in a few moments where you know. Uh, you know, or maybe a receiver slipped here and there or whatever, but on the whole, they just kind of knew, hey, we're gonna, you know, by hook or by crook, we're gonna do this with we're gonna do this with the run game. And hey, they came out on top, you know. Yeah, and it was huge down the stretch as well, kind of, you know, that fourth quarter again, kind of grinding down and ended up, you know, it was you know, bordering on a one score game and then just, you know, seemingly again five, six yards of carry, field goal, field goal. And then sort of a touchdown to cap it all off. Uh, you could see kind of the Guelph defense didn't wasn't really as uh, stout kind of down the stretch. And you know, I think you're gonna see that for Queens as well in their game. So <laughs> definitely be fascinating to see who who's gonna be that running game down the stretch that kind of is gonna be looking to wear them down at the end of the game. So it could go either way. Totally, and I'm 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 frantically going through the uh, the drive chart here, trying to f- remember just exactly when it was that uh, uh, that Nixon got the touchdown. Um, where is it? I'm trying to find. I can't find where it was, but you know, talking about uh, the elusiveness of Clark Barnes. I mean, it was like a like a whirling dervish. He did a little spin move to get off the one defender. Um, that one defender being AJ Allen, who you know normally, if a guy is in his grasps, does not get out, and then made a move on another guy, then sneak into the end zone. I, I think that was in the third quarter, at which kind of, like I said, the game was always you know you know, I say this was sort of air quotes within reach, just as a lot of Canadian football games are in the nature of how quickly the game can get turned around. But that was, you know, we talked about some of those backbreaking plays for um, in that Queens game. I think that was really the nail in the coffin. And in, in, you know, in addition to, like we said, law coming out of the game where it was like, 
and especially when it is your best defender who 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 kind of gets who kind of gets beat on that play. I mean, I I I don't say I have to throw any shade at AJ. Big fan of what he's done in his career at Guelph, and uh, you know, the hell of a nice guy too. But you know, I think that's always a bit of a it's like oh shoot, we just got God a little bit and kind of on our own on our guy as well. So um, you know, shout out to him, uh, Nixon. That is. Um, you know, we obviously talk about Magnate Jones a lot and obviously the running game, but as we kind of always say, it's it's always, <laughs> it's such a spoil of riches when you go through this Western roster. And, uh, but hey, that, that's what's going to make this this matchup so, so tantalizing. And it was what makes it so tantalizing with the Queens Gale. So anything left uh, we want to say on sort of what went down this past weekend uh, before we call it a wrap here, Nate? I think we did a good job. I agree. I agree. You know, good job by us. So that'll do it for us on this one. We hope you had a, a great time, whether you're watching the games live or whether you were frantically switching back and forth between them at home on the OUA streams. Uh, hope you got the outcome you were looking for. It's the Ace Cup, man. Uh, you know, kind of said this a few weeks ago where it's like, you know, no matter what outcome you were hoping for in this year or how you thought things went down or what have you, just go back a year ago. Because it's, uh, you know, I don't think anyone's going to complain with us getting a Yates Cup this year, regardless of what you think of the participants. And frankly, if you put any bias you may have aside, this is, you know, this is as good a matchup as we could probably have gotten for this game. So, as always, make sure you're following us on the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at the 55 Podcast. Stay up to date with everything we're doing throughout the week to keep you prepared and to set up this coming game. We will have our Thursday pod at the usual time, breaking down what we expect to see in that matchup in the Yates Cup. And uh, as always, check out the website at the55.ca. You can check out the store, buy some merchandise. Of course, proceeds go to support Stella's place. You know the drill. So we will talk to you later this week at the 55.